Hello and welcome back to episode 25 of the High Side News podcast. This week we'll be discussing the MotoGP action from Mazzano and the return of World Superbike Racing at Magni Core. But before we get into all of that, I've got to introduce, as always, my two guests, Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Dawn, how are you doing? Fine, thank you, Luke. Obviously, over the weekend, World Superbikes and MotoGP, which racing uh, did you think was more exciting to watch over the weekend? Um, I really enjoyed the Moto3 race. I thought that was quite exciting, especially sort of the last few laps. But I think I have to lean to World Superbikes. The fight between Jonathan Ray and Top Rack in most of the races was phenomenal this weekend. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, obviously some championship drama across that weekend as well with Alvaro Bautista being involved in a couple incidents that uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss and what we thought of them. Jack, how have you been keeping, mate? I'm good, thank you. This weekend, the second round of the MotoGP Esports Championship, you've had qualifying today. I've seen nothing from it, so why don't you tell us what tracks you're racing at this weekend firstly and um, how it's gone today. Yeah, so uh, the sprint race will be Saxa Ring in the in the dry. Race one will be Mategi in the wet. And race two is Mandalika in the dry. In the sprint, I got pole position. In race one, I got pole position. And in race two, I got pole position. Right, so, you know, backing up your uh, opening round sort of performance in qualifying again showing you your, your pace again in qualifying I was going to ask you are you happy with you know your qualifying results but I'm assuming you are because I don't think you can be disappointed with <laughs> yeah when I, I when I each session ended my okay I'm doing alright and then I got the next poll my mm, this is looking good and then the last session I in practice I was I I had quite a bit of a margin, but it didn't show up at the, at the actual session because everybody like, really improved on the moments before the session came. But I was always game pole in practice, so I was pretty confident I was going to make it free for free. And uh, if you said that I'd get at least one pole position last year, I'd have said, you're joking, and now I've got three out of three in a round. So it's pretty crazy. I guess the main question is, though, can you back it up in the races? How do you think your race pace will, will go after after the last round? Where obviously, you got your, your first win at Catalonia. Yeah. Um, so, in the sprint, if I can take the lead, if I can hold on to the lead, I should say, um, I'm pretty convinced without Saxon Ring Works and my pace, I feel like if I can just get into a nice, calm rhythm, I think I'll have that under control. Mitegi, I feel like I'm not the strongest in terms of race pace. I'm just lacking a little something. But it could come... There is it's like there is different wet conditions you can have. You can have more wet or drier track. And if it's a really dry track, your rear tyre dies very quickly. And that becomes a tyre war. And in that sense, I think I'm the strongest. So I have to wait and see on that. That will come down to the start again. And in Mandalika, I feel like I've got the strongest pace. But lap one seems to be very chaotic. So... It'll be about surviving that and trying to not let anyone escape from anybody else. Actually, I meant to ask you this last time we spoke about esports, and I completely forgot. I'm assuming um, all the bikes are set to the equal sort of setting that they can be, rather than 
the, the like the Honda being poor, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, they've all got the chassis, engines, everything's the same, but obviously we've all running different suspension settings and geometry and gearing and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. I, I thought I'd ask that because I, I assume that would be the case, but I know some esports probably wouldn't look that way. But anyway, yeah. best of luck this weekend, mate. Uh, I'll, I'll actually keep an eye out on my, on my phone over the next <laughs> over the next day to see how it goes. Um, and yeah, hopefully you'll get another win like last time out. And where are you in the championship now? You're P three, sixteen points off the top. Where where would you be happy with after this sort of weekend? Would you be happy just staying P three? Yeah, I mean, obviously, ideal is P one, but I, I think the way. But the way the races are going to pan out, um, I feel like P3 is going to be the, the benchmark. If I can just say P3, I'll be happy with that. Obviously, you'd like to, to close in as well, I guess, yeah. uh, while staying in P3. But no, yeah, best of luck to you. Um, and yeah, it will be on the, the High Side News social media accounts, how you get on, and also across all of our social media about how your weekend goes. Mm-hmm. Right, so... Let's move on from your MotoGP esports. Let's stick with the KTM route, though. I'm, I don't see any reason why we should move across from that. And I'm sure we should just start with a man that I completely forgot was going to be racing in MotoGP across the weekend, which was Danny Pedroza. And I think it's safe to say he returned with a bang like he did in Jerez. Straight away showed his intentions. Jack, what did you make of Danny's return to MotoGP once again? Yeah, it's very impressive, always in the top five of every session. Never looked out of sorts. I mean, obviously, he's got he's had a lot of track time, so his, his setup will be more or less perfect. And in, in race trim, he's probably going to be very good as well. But he, he was very impressive in qualifying because I know the test riders don't do a lot of qualifying runs. So to do a... I can't remember, I can't remember if he did a 1 minute 30, but um, he was a... Just a very impressive weekend all round, and I think the only thing he lacked was probably overtaking. But unfortunately, the one man he had to pass was Pecco, and he's the hard, probably one of the hardest you have to overtake on the grid. So, um, but I think it's probably a really good weekend. He was the top KTM, so you can't get any better than that. Yeah, obviously fourth place in both the sprint and the main race gets him. I know he wouldn't be looking at it, but he might be since he's ahead of his former teammate now in the MotoGP Championship, now one point ahead of Mark Marquez in the standings, 18th place for Danny, 19th for Mark. Sure, that must really set home for Mark Marquez how bad the season has been with, with Honda and highlight the good work that Danny is doing with KTM. Dawn, obviously, you know, he hasn't ridden competitively since 2018, really, full-time. You know, do you think say if he did come back and did some more rounds, do you think we would see him firing at the front nearly every week once again if he did come back? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think he'd be definitely in the hunt. don't know if perhaps he, he could, like you say, be a 100% fit Peko, but he'd be definitely challenging for them podiums. He just, he looked great. He hasn't lost anything. Did you think at one point, there was going to be a chance that the podium was on, especially in that main race where he was closing in Peko fast towards the end. 
yeah, definitely, because unfortunately, Pekka looked to be really struggling in the latter stages and to hold on to that third place was just phenomenal. But yeah, I do think perhaps if he got a few more laps, then I think uh, Danny would have got on the podium for sure. Yeah, it really was was impressive from Danny. And I think that's the main take that everyone has had really from the weekend, how good Danny Pedrosa looked. And like you just mentioned, Dawn, how sort of strong-willed Pekko was after his accident in Catalonia last time out. Jack, that's probably the, the next person we should talk about, how an injured Pekko, who a lot of us didn't think was going to make Mazzano, um, turned up and really sort of not set the bar, but showed his intentions that you know he is going to hold himself in this championship fight for as long as possible. Uh, two third places across the weekend. What did you make of of that because personally I thought that was a stunning result for Pepe. Yeah, it's just uh you could see that he's not being scared of anything from the crash and he's just it's, it almost looked like for the first half of the race he didn't look injured at all and he was riding really well. And I mean it, it sort of shows how good he's riding this season, the fact that this round his third place in the GP race is his worst finish of the year in a Grand Prix. So the fact that he's done that whilst injured is sort of like a bit of a, I'd say probably a blow to most people because it's like he's injured, he's probably injured and for half the race he probably couldn't ride at 100%, but yet he still got on the podium. So I feel like I'll just feel like give Pekka more confidence and now obviously he's got the two-week break, maybe three weeks if they don't race at India, depending on the homologation. And yeah, I feel like Pekka is probably the, isn't the strong, he hasn't got the most momentum, but he's definitely um, probably bringing with a lot of confidence and We'll look to wrap up the championship before the head to Valencia. Yeah, obviously his championship lead has dropped after this weekend. Like I'm sure we all expected it would with the injury he was carrying. But do you still think, you know, despite uh, seeing the points sort of decrease, he'll still be happy with how he's he's left after Mazzano going into this, these flyaway rounds now where he was strong last year? Yeah, I think it, it's the maximum he could have done and. That's you know, you finish both races on the podium. Can't do much better than that in the situation he's, he was in. Yeah, I think that is really sort of one of the best performances we've seen from Paco. You know, we've we've seen him take double race wins throughout weekends, but I think him fighting through that injury and getting two thirds shows you know where he's at at the moment and his level and his competitiveness. Um, I do want to say as well, it feels really weird that we're already at the flyaway stage of the season. It doesn't feel that long ago when Jack Miller took um, first place at the end of Friday at Portimao on the opening weekend. So to now be where we are in a season is, is crazy. Quite, yeah, it's, it's quite crazy to think that we're nearly coming to, to an end of another season. Um, Dawn, I guess the main man from the weekend outside of Danny and, and Pecco results-wise was Jorge Martin. He really showed up, and we've talked before about Martin's consistency not being where it should be to put in a championship fight. But if he can keep putting in results like that across weekends, then I'm sure he, he, he can be a championship contender, if not this year, next year especially. Definitely, yeah. He, he, he rode amazing, and I think once he... he he won the sprint race. I just think that everyone probably knew that he was going to run, win the feature race. And But it's just if he can keep doing it week in, week out, 
if you can answer those questions, then definitely. I think it's a little bit too late for this year, but I think definitely if he ends on a high, he could be in the hunt next year. That is one thing I was going to ask you, where the points difference between Martin and Peko at the top of the championship is now down to 36 points difference between the two. Do you think he's back in the hunt for the championship or do you think it's still a little bit too much for him to close in? No, because the way things happen, anything could happen. I think he's still in the hunt, but you would probably favour Peko. If Peko can get over his injuries and return to 100%, then I don't think there'll be anybody stopping him. Okay, yeah. Jack, I'll ask you the same thing. Do you think Martin's out of it now, or do you think during these flyaways he can pull that gap back in? I mean, all it takes is Peck to have two crashes and Martin do a double and he's in the championship lead, so... It's, and he's... To be fair, Martin's not actually... Um, he's only DNF'd once on his own accord in a GP, uh, which was at Portimao, but that was after he got, um, got collected in the Marcus Oliveira incident. So and the other DNF was taken out by Alex Marquez, I think. So he's finishing races, which is the most important thing. Even if he's not first, second, or third, he's always at least fifth or sixth. So in that sense, he's he's still he's not Peko where he's finishing the podium every time. But we know Peko can sometimes just make a really small error that could just and then it all it takes is one small error, a crash, and Martin's right on his tail. So and plus the two know each other very well from being teammates. Uh, when they're at Aspar in Moto3, so they'll know their strengths and weaknesses and what their heads will probably be like at the different parts of the championship. And it could be interesting if uh, Martin starts to get the momentum over Paco. I forget that they used to ride the Mahindra together, wasn't it, at Aspar back in, what was that, 2015? 15 and 16. God, yeah, that does feel like a, a long time ago that they were first coming through on that bike. Um, anyway, yeah, as well as Martin, another man who has capitalised on Peko's injuries, Marco Bezzecchi, Dawn, he's, you know, a little bit behind Martin. Do you think Bez coming into the latter end of the season might be able to find something to challenge Peko, or do you think he's well and truly out of it now where he's even further back than, than Martin is? You just never know, really, because as well, Bezeki's been a little bit inconsistent each round. But if he could ride how he's rode this round, he again was injured. He rode with a, an injured hand. You, you just never know. I'd completely forgot about Bez's injuries. Yeah, that is. It's good. Yeah, because he even. Because there were times where he said he was struggling, but he was still putting in good lap times and he's still putting in good race performances. So maybe he's got more. Grit than than Pecco has really for for injuries and and fitness. Jack, what did you think of of Bez's weekend as a whole? Because really, sort of did what he could, sort of damage damage limitation, I guess. Beat Pecco, but obviously Martin was untouchable. Yeah, I think I think I would have loved to have seen if, if Bez and Pecco fully fit because I feel like we could have had a quite a close finish between the three of them. But Bez did Bez did a good job. He was actually closing in Martin after he passed Pecco. But fortunately, he made a mistake on his first attempt to pass Peko. So that's probably what cost him the race. But I feel like uh, Bez has got the least worst injury out of the two. So I feel like that's why he's probably the strongest. And luckily, it's the left wrist. So you're not doing, you don't have to 
twist it or anything. You just have to keep it steady. And I feel like, uh, yeah, Bez is just doing what he could do. Uh, two second places. And I feel like he will want to beat Martin because um, of their Moat 3 rivalry. And they always seem to follow each other and they've always been battling with each other in whatever classes they've gone to. So I expect they'll be having a good fight uh, towards the end of the championship for second if uh, or first, depending on how things swing in the next eight races. It will be interesting because if Bez can close him in, it will be a battle for second. And like you said, they're not going to give anything away. They'll both want to be finishing second Jacay to to Peko. Um I guess another man who started a load of rumours um, before the weekend was Mark Marquez. Obviously, there's the rumours we've discussed that he's going to leave Repsol Honda and go to Grissini. He sparked some more rumours at the start of the weekend with his social media posts saying that things are happening. Um, it now... I'm now not sure how it's going to go, but his weekend around Mazzano on that Honda Dawn was very good. The best we've seen from Marquez all season, I'd say. A, a seventh place in a main race, just outside the point in the, outside the points in the sprint race with a tenth place. What what did you make of, of Mark throughout the, the weekend on track and also the rumours off track as well? Yeah, a very consistent round for Mark. Probably, like you say, it's probably his best round uh, to date this season. I personally feel that he's going to stay. I just think it'd be too difficult and, a, a, you know, the cost and the hassle. I think he is going to give them another year to see what they can give him. And I think they'll have to do everything that he wants. I think he's going to lay the rules down and that I think they're going to adhere to everything what he wants to keep him. Yeah, there was talk as well that some of the HRC bosses... Uh, or the, the team bosses are going to be changed and things will go back to how Mark wants the bike developed rather than what would suit all the Honda riders, a bit like how it used to be. I, I'm I'm not too sure yet, though. But, Jack, what what did you think about the whole Marquez saga? Because there was even talks at one point that he was going to buy the Grassini team as a, as a whole thing. I feel like Marquez just knows what the paddock's like, so I think he just did something just to flare things up, just... To have a laugh because I think he's got to find some way to to enjoy <laughs> life at the moment in in the GP pilot because most of the time he's on the floor pushing the bike too hard or having to, or having to settle for outside the top ten. But uh, I, I've I've no idea. I feel like he will stay because I think it just makes the most sense to just reward Honda for their loyalty for for his injury and everything. And then obviously if they can't do anything next year, then I'm sure he'll try and go on the Prilia or. The Catty or something like that, trying to or the KTM. Try, I don't know what bike he can try and get on, but and then just uh, see what happens. But I feel like Mark's not gonna give up on his aspirations of winning an, another championship, no matter how it how it's done. See, because he did test the new Honda, didn't he, on Monday at the Mazzano test, and. I'm not sure his exact quotes, but it was pretty much a thing of everything wrong with the 2023 bike is also wrong with the 2024 bike. So do you think even after those comments that he'll still be willing to give Honda another year? I don't know, but I feel like you can't you can't base this test on next year because there's still 
a load of months to go before in March of next year or even April, April whenever the season will start. So there's still a huge window for Honda to develop and you just have to it's just waiting. If I'm sure we'll be having a long debrief of Honda to find out what the plans are. If the plan is to make the bike purely for Mark, I think that's a bit of a problem because we're just gonna they're gonna just get back in the same loop again. Obviously they're gonna probably they probably will have more success, but in the long term I don't think it's a great strategy. Yeah, because how old is Mark now? He's... He is thirty. I was gonna say he's, I was gonna say thirty two, so I'm glad you said that. I was gonna make him older than he is, because obviously he is coming towards the latter end of his career. So I guess Dawn, if they did end up building the bike around Mark, I think we all know that one more big injury, and that's probably it for Mark Marquez as well. And he's been known to have big injuries throughout his career. So do you think it would be a mistake if Honda decided to build their bike back around Mark again? On paper, yes, definitely. But then you just think, I just think they're going to do everything that he wants just to keep him. Yeah, it seems like the way it always goes. Whenever it seems Mark's going to walk out the door and go to, you know, the rumours of KTM for years he was going to go to and they kept him and they tied him down for however long his contract was. What was it? Four, five year contract they gave him at one point and just finally coming to the end of that. Um but no, it's, it's a whole ridiculous saga. And I think, Jack, like you said, Mark's just trying to build any positive headlines that he can at the moment and make headlines about him going to Grassini. Or... So I think he is playing playing the media a little bit and we're falling for it. So he's doing a good job and he's getting sto- positive stories written about himself for the first time in a good couple of years now. But anyway, we'll move on from the whole Marquez situation. We'll move back to, to other riders throughout the weekend who put in Good performances. Um, I guess Vinales was one that I picked up on that I thought would have done better around Mazzano. Jack, I don't know if you agree, especially after his Catalonia performance. It mean Friday. Me sure followed what happened the whole whole season. Friday, he was clearly the fastest man on track. He was the first person to ever do a what? Well, second first person to ever do a valid one minute thirty point nine. Pecker did do it to in twenty twenty, but his was invalid. Um, and then it was like, okay, Maverick's going to be on for a good weekend, and then he qualified, I think, on the second row, and then he had a poor start, and it's just um, copy paste repeat really. It's just like, and then for some reason, Maverick. I think everyone made the step on Saturday and Sunday. Maverick sort of never improved from Friday onwards, but he was, I think he was. Still the top of Prilia all weekend, so he would make it the best of the bike, especially compared to Alay. She was having a bit of a rotten weekend, considering the the high he he was on only a week ago. Yeah, he did have a very very rotten weekend at Alay. But I mean, the other two are prettiers that we haven't mentioned there: Miguel Oliveira and Ralph Fernandez. Ralph Fernandez, especially, um, they both sort of took the step, and uh, Miguel matched Maverick really. Dawn, across the board, other than other than for Aleish, who was struggling and seemed a little bit injured after a crash he suffered on the weekend, do you think it was a decent weekend for Aprilia for, you know, after Catalonia where they looked on top of the world, really? Or do you think it was that sort of bringing them back down to earth of where they really are? 
Yeah, I think it was bringing them back down to earth. You think you normally find that they're either up there one minute, down the next, and you know, like you say, you just know that um, Maverick's going to go backwards at the start. And so, yeah, I think it did bring them back down to that they're not going to be doing that every weekend and they've got to really fight for it. But I mean, Ralph Fernandez's eighth place, that has. I, I, I'll I admit, I've doubted him for his whole time in MotoGP. I think I even said last week that he's the... I don't know how he's still on that the, the MotoGP grid at the moment. But Jack, the best weekend we've seen from Raul Fernandez for his whole time in MotoGP, do you think he's st- finally starting to put the pieces together or do you think it's just a one-off? I think... I, I can't remember who, if he said it himself or just MotoGP channels have said it, but they've said that it's... Ralph's first time enjoying riding a MotoGP bike and he's found his love for riding again. So it's probably just a mental thing where he's just obviously had a pretty terrible time at Tech Talk ATM and then he got on the Aprilia but then he had his arm pump and that arm pump was turned out to be worse than first thought. So he never actually got a real chance to fully adapt to the Aprilia and he's only just started to get proper track time. So now, and you know, the RNF Aprilia team have given him a chance to fully adapt to the bike and giving him time and just obviously told him to relax and now he's uh, around a grippy track like Mazzano where he first tested a MotoGP bike he's got a top 8 result for the first time and I think I'd imagine the target just for the flyaways is just obviously just try and do the best he can and then maybe try and pull off some result in his, one of his home rounds in Valencia Yeah it's 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 going to be an, I think Raul's nailed on to stay. I think Aprilia have confirmed that, which surprised me at the time. But, you know, if he can come out fighting next year, then I, I see why he deserves to stay, especially if these fly away rounds. So it'll be crucial for him and his confidence going into the next season. Um, I'll ask you again, Jack, because I want to talk a little bit more about a different KTM rider other than Danny. I want to talk about Jack Miller. What is going wrong with... with Jack Miller at the moment because it just seems like he's almost lost and we've seen this from Miller throughout his career uh have you read or heard anything from the Miller side of the KTM garage that could explain what's what's happening with him at the moment or what he's struggling with there just seems to be making constant changes trying to find a window that he'll be happy with he's changing his riding style changing changing the lines he's taking and I feel like he's just in that pool way he's just you're making changes and he's, yeah, he's just lost not making any improvement so I think the best thing to probably do is we know he was strong in Mategi last year so he'll probably know how he'll probably go I want the bike settled like this because this is how I had it set up under Ducati obviously it won't work the same but in theory if you can get it to behave the same way then hopefully you can generate the sort of similar pace and I feel like he just needs to reset Maybe just go a space setting that he that worked before, and then he can he can start again because he needs to. Because when you start making big changes and they're not work, we've seen that we've seen this happen with Ray and Kawasaki. They're making big changes and nothing never seems to go anywhere. The time seems to stay the same or get worse, and I feel like they just need to just go over base setting and just trying to slowly find the way through and. Um, as long as KTM have assured Jack that he's going to stay for next year, which I think he will, I think that all that rumour was nonsense, then he can just relax, figure out the bike, try and improve the bike for next year, and then hopefully, 
I mean, all it could take is one small window of just changing the the, the steering plate, maybe one inch, or change the preload, or somehow I don't know what they could change. But it might just take a really small thing, and that's getting him half a second that he'll need or whatever. So I think it's I think the KTM we've seen the KTM as well. It's been a bit of a fickle bike in in recent years where one track it will work perfect, the next track it's really hard to be in the point. So I feel like for Jack, he's just been, uh, he's experienced what it's like to be a KTM rider. So you got Brad is really consistent now and he's had a lot of time on the bike. So I feel like Jack will eventually feel out all the problems and get back to fighting for the podium like we know he can. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the, the rumour there as well about the, the, the Jack's going to get dumped out and the cost is going to come in. Um, We've seen this before from Jack, I seem to remember as well, and other manufacturers like Ducati as well, where he just gets lost for a period of time. And then, like you said, with Mategi last year, he looked lost in the build-up to that. And then out of nowhere, he's dominant. So that is the one thing with Jack. He's known for being inconsistent, I guess, throughout his time at MotoGP. And I guess that's why some people doubt him and then he proves them wrong one week and then the next week he's back to being fighting for three points or a point. So, Dawn, where Jack mentioned about the rumour, I'll ask you. Jack said he thinks it was rubbish. Do you think there is any chance that KTM would sit there and say to Miller, we're dropping you out of the main team to become a test rider to bring in Pedro Acosta? Or do you think that's a ridiculous rumour as well? Yeah, I don't believe that at all, no. They're going to stick with Jack and give him another year to see what he can do. I mean, he's got a I feel for him, he's got a lot going on. He's, He's... you know, wife's expecting the baby. I think it's due sometime this week. It must have been in the back of his mind, you know, that she could have the baby, perhaps why he was racing or something. So he's got a lot going on, but KTM, I think, will stick with him definitely for next year. Yeah, I'd like them to stick with him. It's uh, Personally, I think Paulus Bargro's going to go and Acosta will come in, but that's a whole nother... And a whole other subject, and while we're speaking about Pedro Acosta, we might as well move over to Moto2, because Jack, you correctly predicted that Pedro Acosta would take the victory around Mizano. It was dominant, really. It was a classic Pedro Acosta weekend, a classic Pedro Acosta race. Um, Sort of shows you why he should be in MotoGP, I guess. Yeah, from the first laps of free practice one or practice one it was quite clear he was the fastest on track and then practice two he set the fastest time of the weekend and the the only person that was plausible that could beat him was Vietti and everyone thought if it comes to a tyre war then Vietti's going to win because of Austria but Pedro obviously learnt from that and he had the better tyre wear compared to Vietti and yeah Pedro just um an extra stamp on the championship, he extended the gap over Arbolino and especially Jake Dixon, who had a pretty poor performance, um, especially compared to Catalonia. And I know a lot of people have said things about how it's made Jake look a bit sh- stupid, kind of <laughs> the things he was saying in his pre- in his interview after winning. But yeah, I feel like uh, Pedro's he's on good form. He's now got to go towards the flyaways, and last year he. Didn't have the greatest of times because it was his first time going, but I feel like this year um, he'll be more prepared for the, the weather that could strike upon them. And then obviously he's got the new track in India, and I feel like if they do race there, there's parts of the circuit that he'd like, and other parts he probably wouldn't favour so much. But 
I feel like he's he's the clear favourite now for the championship. Yeah, I think that is the whole sort of picture of Moto Two now is the, he is the clear favourite for the championship. And like you said, Jake does look a little bit silly after his comments from Catalonia now and and Silverstone comments. So. Yeah, Dawn, I'm going to ask you about Jake because you predicted that Jake would win and he ended up, let me just make sure I get this correct, he finished 12th in the end, 22.9 seconds behind Pedro Acosta. What did you you make of it for Jake? What was your reaction seeing him all the way down there after a weekend where he'd been on top of the world and made it clear that he was going to fight for the championship? Very puzzling, really, because even... I thought, yeah, he's starting way down on the grid than what we're used to. But I did think he'd claw in some positions and, you know, definitely get inside the top 10. So I don't really know what happened. He just. I think he's. Because he crashed in his last lap in qualifying. He said the Biden field the same. Yeah, he must have just had no confidence in it whatsoever. And, you know, to not even to seem to be pushing or anything. Very puzzling. Yeah, 65 points now behind. Pedro Acosta. Dawn, do you think he is now out of that championship fight realistically with how we know Pedro can go on a run of form? Yeah, definitely. I think I think he is out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe it's brought him back down to earth. A little bit like we said about Aprilia. Maybe it's shown yeah. him that compared to Pedro, he's not um, he has his moments where he can beat him but it's the same with Mark Marquez when he was in his prime. Anyone could beat him sort of on the odd day but over a season I don't think he can match Pedro's not talent but Pedro's consistency and I was not say determination but not even that but yeah just Pedro's utter consistency that he's shown throughout this season I guess Tony Arbolino has, has found the same as well this season looks a little bit better in fourth place at Mazzano but still it's not not what he needs to stay in this championship fight so it is it's going Pedro's way by the uh, the the look of it. Um, just looking through for uh, Rory Skinner. I am going to be honest. Once Pedro Acosta hit the front, and I only watched him at a two race today because I was covering World Superbikes across the the weekend. Um, once he hit the front, I'm going to be honest. I skipped through the race to be honest. Um, what happened to, to Skinner? I know what happened to Sam. I saw he, he lost the front end. What what happened to Skinner's race track? Which is mechanical. Yeah, mechanically pulled in. Okay, yeah. So yeah. not a, not a great day, not a great weekend really for the Brits. From what I saw of Moto Three as well with mm-hmm. Watley and Ogden in there, not getting points either. Yeah, I guess Jake's the the standout Brit from the weekend in twelfth, which isn't really a very good thing to say, but. Anyway, we'll stick with Moto Two, and I'll talk about my who I said would win the Moto Two race. Agura, fifth place, probably. You know, again, it's where Agura's been all season, really, after that injury preseason. Um, maybe a bit unrealistic and hopeful from myself at the start of the season to say he'd still win the title, but um, yeah, it's not been great from Agura. And talks he's going to leave where he is. It's not looking good for him at the moment say he's even not even in the top 10 in the championship but anyway i think just looking through that's the main sort of stuff from moto 2 to talk about the moto 3 was probably more exciting um 
And I mean, when isn't it not? Ex- when is it not exciting? Jack, I'll go straight to you. Where you went for Danny Holgado because, like you'd you'd said the the week before, none of us ever picked Danny Holgado. You picked Danny Holgado. Would you like to tell us how Holgado's weekend went? You know, the championship leader. Yeah, uh, Friday wasn't fantastic, but then Saturday he just about salvaged it, and then come Sunday he just went. He made a decent start, and then he just went backwards and backwards and backwards. <laughs> And backwards mm. to the point where he finished, I think, 16th. So he hasn't even scored a point. And now he's got Sasaki, Messiah, Onchu, and David Alonso now really charging up behind him. And we're coming to the part, start, part of the season where Danny, especially compared to Onchu, Sasaki, and Messiah, have, he's got a lot less experience than them. So it's going to be interesting to see how Danny deals with this pressure. He has won a championship before in junior GP. But it's just going to be interesting to see if he can. He has got tech. He has got the tech twelve teams who I'm sure Herve and uh, Kulon are going to calm him down, help him in any way they can. And we'll just have to wait and see how everything pans out. But the momentum has definitely shifted in the more experienced riders' way. Yeah, for a rather inexperienced rider, he's got some very experienced people around him to to try and uh, by inexperienced, obviously. His time in Moto Three, obviously, he's he's been a junior GP, been there, done that there. But when you look and you see Ayumu Sasaki is only four points behind him coming into the flyaways, which you know are normally the Asian rounds tracks. Sasaki would have probably experienced in the past as well, growing up. Dawn, do you think momentum will start to swing towards Sasaki, despite him not even having the greatest of weekends at Mazzano? Yeah, because he, he always seems to come back and he, he's, even though if he's not on the podium, he's always in that leading group. You know he's going to be in the top five fighting for it. And sometimes I just think luck isn't on his side. Even if he's leading for so many laps, you just think, well, he's not going to win. But obviously it's, it's got to come at some time. So, yeah, you'll be fine. I, I'm, I'm going to admit watching the race, I was cheering on Jalma Messia. I thought I was finally <laughs> going to get a Messiah, uh, obviously that was my my call, and he was in second. And it did look at one moment that he was going to send a move, and I was just waiting for him to just launch it. But it never happened, and he led for so long as well, putting in such good pace. I was like, "This is it, it's happening." He's going to break away, but no, yeah, it didn't really happen. But I'll take second place. That's uh, that's not the worst from him. Dawn, you said Den is on to as your prediction. Uh, third place for him. In the race, obviously, he's back in championship contention now. Um, what, what do you reckon with Dennis going to the flower? It's obviously confirmed that he'll be in Moto 2 next year in, in the IO team. So, do you reckon he's going to be more determined than ever to wrap up this championship and move to Moto 2 as a Moto 3 world champion? Definitely, yeah. I think he'll give it 110%, as, as he always does. But I think yeah. knowing that, like you say, he's moving up to Moto 2, he'll want to leave his print on the Moto3 Championship, and I thought he rode great on Sunday. It's just that, just one of those things in, in Moto3, you just never know who's going to win, and unfortunately, it, it didn't work for him, but he rode great. Yeah, it, to be fair, the, the whole of the front four did, and they put up a great battle, and David, uh, David Alonso, been a standout, really, I guess, for this last stage of the season, and staying in Moto3 next year with the Gas Gas Aspar team. Jack, perfect move for him to stay in in Moto3 with the same team, do you reckon? 
yeah, you know, uh, the Moto 2 team's not going to change. I assume Aspar are going to move him up for 2025. That's probably what it's going to go. But it, it, I can only, I only just thought, if, if um, Alonso hadn't crashed at Austria out of the lead, he could actually be leading the championship right now. So it's sort of like him. He's, he's gone from being out nowhere. He's not going to win the championship and he's won three at the last four races. He's clearly the strongest rider in terms of race craft and race pace. And, you know, just because he doesn't know the circuits doesn't mean that he can't win. Because you saw uh, Guevara last year, he was a really good, he did really well at the tracks. He didn't have a clue around. So I'm thinking Alonso is definitely the one to keep an eye on because he's Ryan in a very good way. The Aspar team are really experienced. They'll know exactly how the bikes need to be set up apart from India. And um, yeah, I feel like he's the one. He's the the outlier in all of this championship battle. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he chucks in the, the sneaky challenge at the end of the season either. So it will be interesting to see how this all pans out because it's all very close now in the 3 and. I think that's the most exciting championship on the cards at the moment. At the at the at the moment, um, I did just look through our uh, predictions, and we got a across all three of us. We got a mighty one prediction correct, and that was Jack with your Acosta shout on Moto Two. So I think is that the second week running we've got one correct, and it was you, yeah. Jack. I think yeah. we're we're doing well, we're doing really well. But we'll talk about World Superbikes, which is what. I was just looking for our predictions for that uh, while you were speaking there at the end there, Jack, about David Alonso. And I'm going to start off by saying I called it. I got a top rack, race one, and super pole victory, and a Bautista race two victory. So I think might as well stop there And uh, while I'm on a high and not make another prediction because I'm happy with how that went. But no, World Superbikes, it was chaotic i think say so they had a what six week break and they were finally back in action at magni core uh bautista still dominating the championship as per been announced johnny ray's moving obviously so there's been a whole shake up there ahead of this weekend jack what did you make of the return for world superbike the sort of comeback with the way the season has been going yeah i mean it's it was I think the weekend went quite differently to how I expected because I was thinking that it was just going to be a pure duel between Toprak and Bautista and you'd clearly see that one side of the track Bautista was really fast and the other side Toprak was. But I do feel like Bautista's going to be annoyed the fact that he probably should have won all three races. But the first two for him, just when his luck was just completely south. But he did manage to finish all the races and he did get quite lucky escaping a penalty in the sprint race. But... um, and then Bautista in that last race, I don't, I never expected him to have half a second a lap over Ray and Toprak. I at a track where there's only there is just one long straight, but the rest of it's all change of direction, all really corners that shouldn't suit Bautista and Zacati. He just made them look like turtles, really. And I feel like now we're going to Aragon, and it's it's I dread to think how it's going to go because Bautista and Aragon's. Fast anyway, and if Bautista's running on that kind of level, I, I just and with the really long straight and long hanging corners and the heat and the tire wear, I just I just dread to think how Bautista's gonna do. I like that he made them look like turtles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's something that uh, 
Greg Haynes would be proud of on commentary. As well. I'm surprised he's he's not come out of that one before. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the the penalty uh, call there in uh, the sprint race. Do you think he is lucky to escape a, a penalty after the incident where he knocked off Michael Ruben Rinaldi? He is and he isn't because it was sort of like one of those things where it clearly was his fault, but it it wasn't at the same time. And I feel like had it been, say it was Toprak he knocked off, I'm 100% certain he would have got a penalty. But I think because it was Rinaldi and the Cassios who were not going to pressurise their main championship contender to, uh, and for a rider who is leaving the, the team at the end of the season, they're not going to push for any sort of penalty so I feel like for the situation after Bautista it worked out the best way it could have in a, in a really bad way that's sort of how I describe it yeah to be honest I, I agree with you there that Ducati aren't going to push for it Ducati were never going to push for it you could see that with Chaz Davis um, on Eurosport where he said oh you know it's not Bautista's fault it's not a penalty you know you wouldn't expect it I think everyone on social media after was sort of like yeah that's Jakai PR speak right there from Chaz and he made that quite obvious um Dawn your thoughts on it are you do you sort of agree with what we said of the stand of it probably would have been a penalty if it was Jonathan Ray or Top Rack that he knocked off but whereas Ronaldo Jakai didn't really care yeah, definitely. And yeah, obviously he didn't do it on purpose. It was like it was a racing incident. He got nowhere yeah. to go. And what well, I just feel so sorry for Michael Ruben Ronaldo. He just gets no luck, does he? Well, I'm, I, I bet Bautista felt awful about it though. After you know, yeah, that front end of his Ducati was well and truly squashed. I think is yeah. the best way to to say how that um, looked after the race. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a strange weekend with the incidents. Obviously, Bautista has shown his hand, I guess, a little bit in race two that he is still this dominant force, despite Top Rack taking two victories. Jonathan Ray still lacking that little bit, but still finding his way onto a podium place finish. Jack, do you, do you think there's anything left for, for Jonathan Kawasaki this sort of season in these final few rounds coming up or do you think we're sort of just going to see them finish second best to, to top rack and Bautista for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I feel like the only way to, Jonathan Ray's going to win a race this season is either top rack and Bautista, DNF for whatever reason or uh, it's intermittent conditions like in Most because otherwise I, I just can't see Ray and Kawasaki having the strength to fight in the dry especially. Portimao is the only track I'd consider to be possible. The only reason I say that is because Ray is very, very strong at Portimao, but unfortunately, um, so is Toprak and Bautista. So I feel like the advantage Ray used to have at Portimao is now gone. And yeah. we just, I think that's the only track really where Ray's going to have a shout. But, you know, he might have a... I feel like Aragon, he has a chance of beating Toprak because for some strange reason, the Yamaha has never been the best at Aragon. And we'll just have to uh, wait and see how things pan out for Jonathan. But I just, I feel like he's going to get a bunch of third places, to be honest, for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, he'll solidify third in the championship. So it's really the best he could hope for how this season has gone. Dawn, another British rider who really did not have a good time. At, well, I guess 
all three of the other British riders didn't have a good time at Magni Corps. But one that stood out to me was Scott Redden. Um, obviously, we still don't know his future. We still don't know where he's going to go or if he's going to stay at BMW. Um, a seventh place in race one. So, you know, good start to the weekend. Then goes and takes out Garrett Gerloff in the sprint race. Finishes 20th in that after a long lap penalty. And in the final race, I seem to remember, he also DNF'd in that as well. It just doesn't get any easier for Scott Redden, really, does it? No, a proper miserable weekend for Scott. Um, And I don't, you know, has he made his plans? Has he signed anything? Because surely he he doesn't want another season like this with BMW and I can't see it being any different if he stays there. Yeah, it just just looks a bit bleak, I guess, the best way to put it. But then... he looks down. He's he's normally so, you know, he's got such a good sense of humour, and but he he doesn't look happy. No, I think that's been obvious really from the start of the season. I guess was it yeah. Indonesia where there was he had a bike problem and he came yeah. in and started throwing stuff around in the garage. Was that through the screen? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it's just Jack. Do you have anything to add on the whole Scott Redden thing or? I think you'll be annoyed the fact that he got a long lap penalty, two long, and then he got two long lap penalties, and then another, yeah, then he got to go another yeah. one, um, and then also you got Garrett Gerloff, who I think was probably rattled around in terms yeah. of he completely outperformed that bike. He rode really well. He was a bit unfortunate the fact of how his race start was because I feel like I feel like because of his because of his past, he's now because he's less aggressive now. He's just going to be passed every time on lap one because he's. So think he's just so worried of knocking somebody off. So I feel like I felt sorry for Gareth at the start because he, he really. I mean, he still got fourth place, and I feel like he should. It should have been four, three, fourth places probably, or maybe even a podium. He could have probably fought with Jonathan Ray. I thought, but yeah, I think when Scott's looking over, you know, if he's going to go to the Bonovo team, he might see Gareth doing well. I might be like, mm, maybe if I can make changes and. The team are because the team are going in a completely different direction to the factory team, so maybe they can tend to Scott's needs for some strange reason. How that can work, I don't know. Plus, um, you can have Toprak joining the team, and I feel like Toprak will improve the bike, but I don't know how much Toprak's riding style and um, development will aid Scott in his riding style. Yeah, it's all a bit strange with the whole Scott Redden saga, it has been all season, and to be honest, the, I, I agree with you with the Garrett Gerloff thing of rider of the round. I love Garrett Gerloff. I love it when he gets interviewed. His post-qualifying interview is, I think, the best uh, pole position interview we've ever seen. Um, that was just pure joy from a man that loves riding motorbikes. And I'm just glad to see that he might now be back on a good run of form because... It looked good for a time at Yamaha, and then it fell off, and then obviously the BMW's not been great. And but I'm glad to see Garrett back at the front. He's one that I think is a lot of. Uh, he's a big fan favorite, I, I think, in, in World Superbikes especially. Um, we better speak about Bradley Ray, I guess. Despite him also not having a great weekend, it all started with bike troubles, and then it just got worse for him in the final race where he crashed out of a good position Jack what did you make of it for Bradley just another one of those learning curve weekends in your rookie season in a team that's not the best funded team in the world 
Yeah, I mean, but the last race was going really well until uh, Craig Ains was like, oh, Brad Ray's in eight, but he crashed immediately afterwards. <laughs> but, you know, I think Brad was showing he was, he'd made the steps, he made a really good start. I, was, it, I can't think, like, what would have happened if he stayed. I, I'd, have, I'd imagine he probably would have dropped back down towards the pack. But I feel like Brad's still doing things where things aren't going his way, but he's still at least able to show his talent. And you can go, look, I, this is why I'm here. And obviously that bike's not the it's not the best Yamaha. It's the, I, I don't know where it is compared to GMT Yamaha, but it's definitely the at least the third uh, best Yamaha on the grid. So I feel like Brad's just got to just keep doing those things where you can ride it. Maybe maybe might DNF, but at least he can DNF in a high position. Yeah, I, I guess that's it's a strange way of looking at a positive, but I guess it is a positive that he was up there when he did crash out of the race. But no, it's it's. Uh... It's a weekend I'm sure he'd like to forget for some reasons, but yeah, that eighth place at the time was 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 looking good, and he's still proving that he can uh, be up there and fighting at the front. Um, Dawn, the final Brett, who again didn't really have a great weekend, was Alex Lowe's, uh, an eighth place in race one, and then a retirement in uh, the Super Pole race, and didn't take part in the final race. Has an injury that he just puts down to, to old age is I think what uh, what he what he called it. Um, what did you make of it for Alex? Obviously, it looks like he's going to be uh, Kawasaki's number one rider uh, next season, and not a great way to sort of have your first weekend as their number one, really. No, that must have been really disappointing, and and definitely to have like an injury that you don't really know what the problem is. I think he was going to have some scans and really look into it this week to see what the, the issue was. But, yeah, because I suppose he wanted to have a strong weekend, like you say, because you think that he's going to be number one rider next year. So it must have been really disappointing for him. And it must have been really affecting him to pull out of riding because he, he always comes across as quite a tough character. So he must have been in a lot of pain. Yeah, it, it, it's one that he just seemed puzzled by when you even saw him getting interviewed on the grid by James Toesland, and I can't blame him because it just did look puzzling for him. But anyway, there's still a bit to go this season. We still don't know who's going to be his teammate. Looks more and more likely that it's going to be Axel Bassani who's going to take over Jonathan Ray's role, which uh, we talked about last week and how we I think we all came to an agreement that we think he should stay in the Ducati family and hope that Bautista retires at the end of next season to take that ride. But... Yeah, it's better than being on a Honda, I guess, is the situation with going to Kawasaki. But anyway, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting one, the whole rider market there still with Scott Redden's future undecided. But Bautista still needs to weigh in the championship is the main thing. I guess that's the main take from the weekend, that it's still Bautista on top. It probably will be Bautista on top come the end of the year. But I guess in the Supersport championship, it's the same story, really. It's in a room with Ducati on top. They looked unbeatable again. Jack Nicolo Bouliger, who will be Bautista's teammate next year, has really stamped his authority on that championship again. A double victory at Magna Corps. Any more to say other than he was untouchable across the weekend? Uh, I think I'll just quote Bouliger when he goes, nothing. Yeah. It's just perfect. Just No mistakes. He's beat Manzi twice and extended championship lead. There's 
not a lot you can say really it's a perfect weekend yeah it, it really really was a perfect weekend for Budiger made it a little bit boring to, to watch in a way but it definitely wasn't a classic but it was it was how he, he'd liked it to have been one Don I guess the more exciting story from World Supersport is Adrian Huertas who had a good weekend at MagniCorp, putting some good results on his MDM Kawasaki. But next year, he will be riding for Aruba Ducati in World Supersport, taking Bouliger's place. Uh, a deserved move, do you reckon, for Huertas? Definitely. I'll be really excited to see what he can do. I bet he's, he's absolutely thrilled to be given the opportunity to, be, to move to Ducati and ride that bike. So, yeah, I think a good choice. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, I know we had discussed that we think he or we thought at the time he could take Jonathan Ray's place and be this young sort of rider that Kawasaki bring up and develop in, in their team. But obviously Jack, you were one that uh had sort of brought out to my attention last week that Huertas would go to could go to Kawasaki. Are you a bit disappointed he's not gonna be on a superbike or do you think it is the right move to stay in Supersport on a Ducati? I think he's gone to the best team. You could, I, I would say Tenkarty actually is probably the best team, but I think uh, the Aruba squad's so strong and again, Ducati have just poached another great talent and I've got to say uh, Huertas is probably now one of the favourites for next season already <laughs> and um, Ducati have just, they've got, they just gained all this, these pools of talent and he'll probably, Huertas probably super bike bound in 2025 after a positive test and you know, it's just the future for Ducati is just looking so bright for all, for all, for them. Yeah, I guess their future is looking bright everywhere across the World Championships in MotoGP and World Superbikes. Um, anyway, we are running out of time on this recording, so we will bring it to a, an end here on a high note for Adrian Huertas moving across to Aruba Ducati next season. Thank you both very much for joining me again this week. And sorry about being half an hour late for recording this week. But anyway, um, yeah, BSB this weekend, Alton Park, I'm assuming you're both going to that? Yes, yes. we are. And we'll be in here for hospitality. How's the, the weather looking? Does it look like it's going to be wet? or? Uh, I think it's just going to be really Mixture, cloudy. I think. <laughs> okay, well, I hope yeah. it straight stays dry for you both and like it was at Darlington Park a couple of days ago but oh well um thank you both for joining me and we'll be back next week to talk about the the BSB action from Alton Park and uh see who's on top after the first round of the new form of the showdown anyway thank you very much for listening uh check out all of our social media and short shift news which will be in the description of wherever you are listening to this podcast thank you very much and goodbye <laughs>